Well, good morning. That's not something we get to often say when we do Bar Down Breakdown. So this is your morning edition of Bar Down Breakdown. And uh, I'm still drinking coffee. So is Mikey. And I'm sure our guest has probably crammed some down uh, or is currently cramming some down. I don't know. But we've got Ian Reese. Water for me. Water for you. Good, man. That's probably way healthier than all of the beans that we're drinking. But we've got Ian here. Uh, Ian uh, esteemed member of Pure Noise Record. If you've ever bought a vinyl from Pure Noise Records, Ian has had his hand in it, whether it was uh, flushing out variants or, um, uh, you know, setting up uh, pretty much anything that has to do with the vinyl game is, is Ian's thing. So, uh, also hockey fans, so we're pumped to have him on. Uh, this is going to be a really cool one. So, Ian, thank you for being with us. Appreciate you. How's yeah, your morning no so far? Uh, it's good. I mean, it's hardly morning for me. I've been up. I have a three and almost four year old daughter. So I've been up for a while. <laughs> so dad life. Amen. I know all about that as well. <laughs> I was going to say Mike, Mikey can attest to that for sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, cool. Yeah. So let's, um, let's just kind of, kind of dive right in. So um, sure. I, I, I guess before we get into like all of the, you know, like weird, record questions that I'm going to have and just out of, you know, curiosity, just because I think, uh, you know, what you're doing is really super cool and aligns with one of my biggest uh, passions and hobbies. But uh, let's kind of rewind and talk about how you ended up uh, getting to work with Pure Noise. So um, how did you end up uh, getting set up with Jake and the boys and uh, and all that fun stuff? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> how far back do you want to go? <laughs> um, I've always like... Uh, I grew up in kind of punk rock. Um, I grew up in uh, an LA suburb, um, the small area called the South Bay, which um, I'm sure you heard Kyle uh, talk about on a couple episodes back. Um, heavily influenced punk rock area, you know, Pennywise, Black Flag, Circle Jerks, Descendants, all stem from there. But my dad, he's a super old punk rock guy. Um, he still sings in a punk band to like to this day, he's 60, and it's called Neckbreaker. And, love it he's uh he's crazy but um yeah so i mean you know punk music's kind of always been in my blood and then i was in high school bands and then um my high school band i was in this was about 98 99 um i i eventually meet linda jesus um ended up meeting like the guys from finch when they were first starting out also cool so played few local shows with them got to be good friends with them ended up like kind of becoming like close with like the drive-through crew um i ended up touring with finch and doing merch for them on like their first u.s tour which was a big drive-through tour with uh the movie life something corporate alistair the starting line i think i actually um, remember that one rx bandits mm -hmm. and then <clears throat> it actually it got cut short because of 9-11 um because the movie life were the headliner and they had a bunch of friends and family who are firefighters and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's kind of just like my backstory to this kind of, kind of music from there. After that, um, I ended up playing in another local band and became um, good friends with guys like um, Jason from let live and um, Jonathan vigil from the ghost inside. We all played local shows together bar and grills and kind of stuff like that and another band that we played with was this band shop blue who um their singer jason 
who's actually my best friend in the whole world. He's a manager now. He manages bands like uh, Spirit Box is kind of his big bo- big band right now. Um, but he was the first manager of No Bragging Rights. And so when No Bragging Rights first started getting linked up with Jake, that's kind of how I met Jake. And then uh, so when first Pure Noise very, very first began. Um, and then I did... Uh, I've done like web and graphic design and I was a freelancer and all kinds of stuff like that for a long time. So out of kind of out of a necessity, Jake would, you know, throw projects my way. And this was when pure noise was based in like San Francisco. Um, so, you know, just here and there, I do freelance projects and then it eventually got a bit more serious as the label grew as story so far got more popular. Um, then signing state champs and all that, you know, the labor label started to really take off. Mm-hmm. And then um, <clears throat> eventually uh, Jake moved the label down um, back to the LA area. He's originally from kind of the LA area. And then uh, at that point he brought me in full time and uh, kind of had me take over the duties of production and whatnot. So that's a, a cool. quick uh, cliff notes version of it. <laughs> Now I want to I want to hear like the parallels between like going out on that drive-through tour like when yeah. it was at its peak mm-hmm. and now like pure noise kind of being like the head honcho in this alternative scene like are there any similarities or is things like so different like 20 years later Um you know what when I did that tour with <clears throat> Finch I mean what it is to burn hadn't even come out yet I don't even think the first EP had came out yet. They had like just finished what it is to burn. Um, and we were like listening to masters in the van, like getting sent like copies, like FedEx and stuff. Um, like there wasn't really email for that kind of stuff back then. Mm-hmm. You know, this was <clears throat> 20 years ago at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, also like the starting line, they were just a baby band. Like, like they had one EP out. I think they weren't even officially on drive through yet. They had put that AP out on um, We the People Records, a small Orange County label. Um, so, I mean, drive through was like not what drive through ended up being yet, you know? It wasn't as popping. Um, but you could kind of see it in its infancy. I don't know how it like ran like on a day to day level. Like, I kind of I popped in the, they had a home office in the valley. Um, so, I mean, I popped in there every now and then I'd help like pack some orders in the garage or whatever, like real low level intern type stuff. Um, so it's hard to like, kind of say the parallels, you know, um, I think it's just such a different world from oh, yeah. like, <clears throat> then to now, like just how bands get dis- discovered and mm-hmm. whatnot. Like back then you really had to like put in a lot of work and, <clears throat> you know, pay your dues and stuff like that for someone to really take notice and now all anyone who has a good song on up on spotify or Bandcamp or whatever you know yep. they could barely play any shows and you know get signed so. yeah we, we've had this this discourse on the on the show many a times talking about you know the differences between when mikey and i were you know coming out of high school 17 18 years old you know around you know that kind of 2001 mm. to 2005 era where like you know the yeah. only way that you got signed to like any sort of decent label was torn your ass off and and you know doing the legwork yeah. and going out there and you know nowadays 
really it's just all about, you know, how many monthly listeners do you have? How many streams do you have? You know, but it's, it makes sense though. Right. Because, you know, in, in, you know, back in the day, you're talking about drive through specifically. Right. I mean, like, you know, like a, a small band, even like, let's talk about the starting line, right. You know, the starting mm -hmm. line were just, you know, a, a Philly pop punk band, you yep. know, that happened to, um, you know, write some really great songs, get discovered, you know, and all of a sudden now they're on the other, the other side of the country, you yeah. know, with, with drive through and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, but you got to tour your way out there. You got to pay your way out there and all this kind of stuff. So it definitely was a, a different time, but, um, sure. but I, I think one of the most interesting things about, you know, like when, when I think about pure noise now, right. Is mm -hmm. how, how diverse they are. Right. And that was something that I think, you know, maybe it wasn't, the right thing to do, uh, you know, back 20 years ago for a label like drive through, or even like a, a, a label like vagrant. I mean, like you see it, like, you know, you saw it with labels like equal vision, how they kind of trans, you know, kind of transformed from like a, a hardcore label, you know, with like, you know, Bane and one Oh eight and all this stuff to bands like saves the day and going from there. Whereas drive through kind, kind of, of stayed in that same world though, you know, like yeah, I, 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 they had hardcore leanings and yeah. So did, uh, who was on EVR way back in the day. I feel like everyone kind of like came from that scene, even like the more indie bands, like mm -hmm. the more emo bands, you know, they kind of all had those roots. Agreed. Um, agreed. And, and, but <clears throat> would you, I would, I guess what I would say is drive through specifically, you'd probably say that maybe with the exception of Finch who were a little bit more aggressive, they really kind of stayed tight knit right with like kind of the pop punk punk sort of deal um and yeah, i guess for sure. yeah and right Finch's first album was a little bit more pop punk leaning you know mm -hmm. there were a couple of times you know i don't i don't know if this is out there or whatnot but there's a couple of songs on there where like you know drive through told finch like hey we we kind of want like a saves the day style song yeah. and that's where stay with me came from mm -hmm. you know like that's the poppiest song on the album oh yeah you know mm -hmm. You can kind of see that like they're like well you know we need something a little bit <clears throat> more in line with the rest of the label mm -hmm. um and then i think you really saw like who finch really was on their second album yeah. when they they went more to the late the major side and kind of had <clears throat> not more freedom but you know they were just kind of able to be the band that they really were i think um that's a whole other discussion though I, yeah, I, that's that's really like one of the most divisive discussions, right? <laughs> Talking about um, what it is to burn versus like say hello to sunshine and like you know the the real kind of poignant differences in those records of which yeah. they're 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 kind of enormous. But I, you know, one like I said, kind of just to finish that thought, one of mm. the things that I love so much about Pure Noise is how diverse they are as a as a record label, right? So I mean, you've got you know, you're, you've got your four year strongs and your, you know, your state champs and all that kind of stuff, but you've also got your sharp tooths and your knock looses. And then you've got, you know, your, your same sides and you've got, you know, drug church. So like, you've got all of this. Got really Scobbins, yeah, you know, that, got, that um, too. Grumpster who we just announced they're you know, they're pop punk, but they're mm -hmm. completely different kind of pop punk than, um, you know, the story so far. State For champs, sure. Uh, you know some of the other more pop like stuff we're known for mm -hmm. but, so i um, think i think it's just so cool that um you know record labels 
you know, independent record labels are kind of in that vein now where they're not really as afraid to take chances. You know, they're like, look, we know this band is good. And, you know, even though, you know, just, you know, PN195 was this four year strong record, PN196 can be this knock loose EP. Like, and then there's not yeah. a problem with that. So that's know. one of the things I, I really do love about Pure Noise is how diverse they are. And uh, it's funny, you know, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later, but, you know, uh, I, I collect records and I have like a spreadsheet uh, that I keep of all the records You're I have because I'm, yeah, no, I'm an, I'm a nerd, man. I'm, I'm, I'll, 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 I'll have to I'll, send you some goodies. I'll defend that to, to the end of my days. But um, uh, it's funny. I, I guess I didn't really realize it until like, you know, so I usually keep my spreadsheet by artist. Right. But, you know, mm. I put label in there and all that fun stuff. So, you know, the other day I was just like, Oh, let me just rearrange it by label and see, what the enormity of what I have is and it's actually pure noise. And it was kind of like, it was kind of like interesting to see, like, yeah. I guess I didn't realize it, but uh, you know, you, you guys have so many bands on the label that I love. So um, kudos to that. So I, I kind of um, want to dive into some pure noise stuff just in terms of, you know, really the responsibilities and some of the things that you have there when it comes to uh, vinyl releases. So I guess, maybe short synopsis because i'm sure there's a, a ton that you do but regarding vinyl like what like are you conceptualizing the variants are you you know are you working on album artwork are you working on like mastering these like what what exactly are you are you focusing on in that in that space yeah um well i don't do anything to do with like the mixing and their mastering or anything like that that's okay know, the people well above my pay grade but um Basically, once uh, once we get all the like completed elements of an album, the masters, and then the mm -hmm. album artwork, um, I I come up with all the variants. Um, you know, we kind of decide how many variants we want to do. You know, uh, we reach out to different um, retailers who want to take in different exclusives. We've been doing a lot with Newbury recently. Yeah, for um, sure. Revolver, Rock Sound. Um, rev hq um and then uh you know occasionally on way bigger titles like um the new uh census fail album like urban outfitters has a variant um so yeah once we kind of have all those and i'll start coming up with uh just however many variants my brain can think of <laughs> based on uh kind of what the album art looks like you know i don't since you have a lot of our records, I'm sure you can tell that at least with the first pressing, a lot of them I try and um, keep real similar to the album artwork. I like to match mm -hmm. it as much as possible. Yeah. Um, occasionally, and you know, eight out of 10 times, you know, we send it to the band and they're cool with it. Um, you know, occasionally a band will have a specific variant they want or have a little bit more input. Um, a lot of them tend to, kind of trust my opinion on that which you know i appreciate but uh you know we're open to anything i mean there's so many different color combinations and variants and mm -hmm. there's just so much you can do with vinyl right now yeah um and then you know it only it only keeps getting crazier you know different things pop up so um mm -hmm. yeah once we have all the variants put together um i take you know occasionally sometimes we'll just get an album cover um and that'll be the only art we get 
So I'll have to like build out the rest of the album packaging. Um, that's not not many times, but there's some stuff. Uh, trying to think something recently we did where I had to do that. Um, but anyway, yeah. So then I'll get all the print files together. I'll communicate with the pressing company and get stuff ordered. And then um, <clears throat> I set up all the like pre-order kind of stuff. Um, with our various um, web stores that we have. We have four different web stores um, across the world. Um, and then, uh, but as a team, everyone kind of comes up with whatever the pre-order spread is going to be. Um, and then bands always have, you know, their own input and stuff like that too. And, you know, um, bands, bands always get final approval of what we end up putting out. But mm -hmm. that's kind of just the gist of, that process i mean there's yeah. so much more involved but yeah no I'm, I'm i'm sure there is but uh that that's cool i definitely want to get into like the kind of conceptualization of the the variants and stuff in in, in just a moment but sure. uh, one question that does kind of you know sort of pique my interest here is you were talking about um you know all of the different um you know kind of like brick and mortar or online places that you do exclusive variants with now um mm -hmm. is that is that something even if it's not something that like you have a hand in negotiating, I, I'm not sure if you, you really have like some insight on how that works, but just as a point of curiosity, like, so, you know, let's say, you know, 2023, the story so far puts out a new record and we know they're enormous and, you know, a company like urban, urban outfitters, you know, want their own variant. Like how do those conversations typically go? And I mean, like, you know, you don't have to get too much into like the financial side of it, of course, but like, how does that work? Is there like, some sort of exchange there or like, is it like, you know, if we do a variant for you, you have to buy all of the copies that, that you know, like kind of, how does that work? Well, I mean, with every retailer, it's kind of the same process. Um, okay. Some of them, it's a little more, you know, like Newbury, we've done so many with them that, you know, we have a direct contact with them and we just tell them like, Hey, we got this new album that we're starting to work on. Like, would you be interested in a, exclusive this is how many units and they'll say yes or no you know it's, okay. it's as simple as that and sometimes they'll be like oh we'll you know we'll take a little less like we'll do a little less and then we go all right you know we can work with that we try and make it um so our web store variant is kind of like usually the most limited um at any time um so that kind of like will define like the number that we can't go below okay. like you know we we want to keep this one the most exclusive and mm -hmm. then um <clears throat> but yeah and then you know the bigger ones like urban outfitters or like um we haven't done a target exclusive vinyl yet but they've taken in cds for like the story so far state champs um knock loose stuff like that um all of that generally filters through our distributor we're distributed by the orchard and then um they'll kind of reach out to people like some of those bigger accounts and it's pretty much the same process. We just tell them like, this is, you know, what the minimum will be. And they'll come back and be like, you know, they'll, they'll take this many. And then from there, it's just, it's, it's literally, they're just buying the records wholesale. You know, it's not like um, any crazy deals or anything like that. It's just like, we'll print them. And they, these are your records you have access to. And, you know, you buy them as you need them. Now you, you mentioned Newberry <laughs> comics. Mm -hmm. You know, there's probably only a handful of those independent 
record stores left in the country. So like, yeah, it's a dwindling number for sure. Yeah, and and it's it's sad to see. And and then you 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 mentioned like Targets and Urban Outfitters, and it's like, ah, like <laughs> yes, it, that's enormous because they're everywhere. But at yeah. the same time, like those kinds of places are what's also like hurting those independent record stores. And yeah, that's uh, you know that's just kind of the way of the world. You know, it's it's unfortunate that it is that way. I mean, I grew up, I grew up in record stores, you know, me and my dad, that was our Sunday thing. We would go to, um, shout out scooters records in Hermosa beach. Um, that was our like main place to go. And, um, such a cool, just like tiny little records. It honestly wasn't much bigger than this room. And the guy who ran it, um, Tim, he just, he knew all of his customers, you know, like there would be so many times I would just walk in, He'd be like, what are you looking for? I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, oh, I got this, this, this. And, he, you know, there was so many albums I discovered just because Tim was like, yo, you'll like this. Like, that's how I discovered, like, the first Against Me record or, like, Lifetime or, um, you know, just a lot of stuff like that. So, you know, that's just, like, it sucks that a lot of that stuff is, like, gone. And, you know, that's just the world you know like more people are shopping on amazon and they want the convenience they don't mm -hmm. want to go to like the little record stores um thankfully you know he, i live in nashville now so you know thankfully we got a couple cool little record stores that are still going like grimy's um they're super cool like the last knock loose album that came out not the cp but the full length um knock loose actually did an in-store set in there which was bonkers like you know that they could only fit like 30 or 40 people or something but it was crazy just like so it's cool there are like there's generally like a good regional kind of store like at least one in every major city but yeah it, that number used to be a lot bigger yeah I, and i like <clears throat> i guess i guess this is kind of like weird to say but it's almost like you know, so now that music is so easily accessible, right? So now that, you know, you can pay $9.99 a month and have like a Spotify premium or mm -hmm. Apple Music account, it's almost counterintuitive to think that like vinyl is still so, so enormous, right? Like, um, yeah, because like you'd really think like in that line of thinking, like, yeah, no one's going to buy any physical releases. It's going to be like CDs where like, you know, people just are going to stream everything and that's the end of it. But um, you know, you look at like Adele, for instance, right? Like this, you know, the linchpin for why every single, um, you know, press, pressing, pressing plant is nine months behind. But I mean, she yeah. did what something like absurd, 500, like 500,000 copies, yeah. right? Of like her record on vinyl. And like, and there was like, even, I think, who was it? Was it Little Wayne or? Yeah. Some, some hip hop artists did like a crazy amount of seven inches just recently, too. And, and the crazy thing about it, right, is like, you know, 500,000 is enormous. It's completely enormous. But like Adele is selling those records like. Yeah, right? I mean, we'll see a lot of them on the shelves for a yeah, long time. Uh, but, for sure. Yeah. But I know, mean, she, like she does the numbers. So, I mean, yeah. it's not like a crazy amount, but there's definitely yeah. some padding on there. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. But it's just like yeah. just to think that like, you know, uh, an enormous pop artist like that is like 
yeah, like vinyl is a market that we need to corner, you know, where like, yeah. you know, and talking about the drive through days and Mikey can attest to this specifically. I mean, there was a time probably like maybe 2006, 2007, maybe 2008 where like nobody gave a shit about records and like oh, yeah, drive some, and, and drive through times had, for sure. Drive through had pressed records, right? Like that, like now, like if you have one of those in your, in your like, in your arsenal, like you could probably sell them for like four or 500 bucks, but like they were yeah. sitting, they were sitting in hot topics in like the clearance bin for like six bucks. Like you could just pick up one of those newfound picture discs yeah. and like, and like, you know, I got hot, the, hot, the movie life picture disc, right? the clear one with the dice in it. Yeah. Like hot topic would be like, Hey man, we'll just like, if you want to take that, like as long as you're buying like at least a pin or something, like just take it. And you're like, Oh, okay. You yeah. know, not knowing that, like, the, in five years from then, the industry would just flip on itself and become this enormous thing. And and, and I think I think it's great. You know, I I collect records mostly because you know I love having having larger versions of album art. I love the whole idea of exclusive titles, exclusive variants. I love the fidelity and just you know, as like a thirty something year old person, like I just like love to throw on a record on a Saturday and just sit down and listen, you know, it's just there's something yeah, about it. Right. Sure. And I think, and I think you'd agree with that, right? Like there's just like oh, something yeah. intangible about it that people really love. Yeah. It's funny. Cause you know, I think a lot of people, you know, the real people, like not the real people, but the people who are in it real deep, they'll mm-hmm. like, Oh, nothing sounds better than vinyl. And it's like, well, mm, calm down. I mean, things do sound <laughs> better than vinyl. I, I mean, I love vinyl and I, I think it, it is a unique sound to a record. Mm-hmm. It kind of it can bring a different, um, a different feeling to a record. You know, yeah. like you hear it for the first time on Spotify, and you just kind of zone out. You don't pay attention, but then you hear it on, you know, vinyl, and you kind of it's a little bit warmer. You can kind of, you know, I don't know. I always like the pops and the cracks, and you know, just the. Uh, the um, imperfections basically, yeah. you know, cause it's a physical product, you know, not every, not every copy is going to be 100% perfect. So, you know, and then also, you know, on my end of things, you know, I, you know, something that also looks cool on your turntable, you know, um, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a classic black record, you know, if that's all somebody has, that's what I'll buy. I mean, my favorite, yeah. my favorite band in the world is um, Lucero. I don't know if you're familiar with them at all. For sure, yeah. But, you know, they press all their records, but oftentimes it's like, eh, it's just on black vinyl. It's like, all mm-hmm. right, well, I'm, I guess that's what I'm buying. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and yeah. I, I agree with that. I mean, you know, so the fact that... I want to step in real quick about oh, that. It, because yeah. when I was in the vinyl game, yeah, like the 180-gram black vinyl mm-hmm. typically sounded the best. Like It does, you, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, even though it wasn't like the flashiest, that is still... You like know the way I usually went for the weight of it kind of uh, prevents any warping or you know not prevents it but keeps it to a minimum. Like no record's going to be a hundred percent flat after it's like yeah. been shipped from like the Czech Republic across <laughs> to the U.S. and then sits in a warehouse and then gets shipped to customer via UPS and thrown out of a truck. And you know like it's just like not every record's going to be perfect, but a one eighty gram black vinyl is going to do it because you know colored vinyl bring its brings its own other imperfections to it you know just yeah. the process of making those colors and stuff mm-hmm. and 
you know, occasionally you'll see it hasn't, it's gotten better, but I remember some, especially before um, I really got involved with pure noise, you know, there were some records you'd take out and there's like a dust on it almost. And you're like, what is this? And it's just, that's part of like the production process. And, mm -hmm. you know, they've eliminated that, made that a lot, but it's, it still does happen. So. Yeah. It's, um, I, I should have just brought it in here to show you. I like, I ordered a record from Best Buy because mm -hmm. like I had a, um, like a I recording. bought records from them too. <laughs> yeah. Except, except, uh, this time didn't go so well for me. Uh, ah. it was, uh, I had like a reward certificate. So like, um, and they just did, uh, I guess, like a, a white repress of um, Saves the Day's ups and downs. So I was oh, like, okay. oh, you know, let me let me grab it. Yeah. Of course, it, it got to me like pretty much bent bent in half, like in half. Like I've seen some of those nightmare stories on like Vinyl Collective, and I'm just like, how does that even happen? <laughs> I've seen like mailers come just like, oh that. yeah, I'm literally like, oh, like, and and my 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 wife like like it got <clears throat> delivered to the door, and my wife's like. Hey, uh, when you get home from work, uh, make sure you take a look at this because it looks like it's bent in half. And I shook it and I can hear pieces. And I was like, excellent. Yeah. But luckily, I mean, you know, a lot of these, you know, online retailers and stuff, they're, they're kind of good with that stuff. They're like either out, oh, take a picture or like, yeah. oh, just return it and we'll give you your money back. Like, you know, it's, it's a it's kind of a, a nightmare there. But um, talking about so many customers yeah. that they don't want to like deal with the hassle, like, oh, send it back. We got to see it and prove it. And mm -hmm. they're just like, whatever, here, we'll send out a new one. Well, so I've I bought from Pure Noise enough to know mm -hmm. that Pure Noise, uh, you guys use root, right? For for like your your protection there, I think it's well, like extra dollar. The, uh, it's just kind of like a built-in thing in Shopify. Like, uh -huh. um, I don't even know if you can turn it off in Shopify to be honest, but um, I think you can. But I usually yeah. just keep it on. Just well, for... I mean, in the back end, like from a like yeah, um, a retailer standpoint. Um, but yeah, it seems like enough people use it. I. I don't think I've ever placed an order and kept it on, but I've, you've used it and it's like, yeah, it's, 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 of damages. it's one of those peace, peace of mind sort of deals. And it's, and it's literally yeah. like an extra dollar. So it doesn't, you know, if I'm buying two or three records from you guys, like I'm not yeah. gonna, you know, I definitely had people complain dollar. about it. Like I turned it off and then it did turn back on. Yeah. It's like, if you're really, it go away. it's like, you're really going to freak out about like 98 cents, like, you know, chill out. But uh, what's funny is, <laughs> we don't run our web store, you know, like merch now runs our web store. So like, you know, people will come to me all the time and I'm just like, well, I'll, I'll point you in the right direction, but I'm not actually like in there shipping out your order. Sorry to and then, um, you. and then you were talking about 180 gram records, Mikey, I just had to bring up, uh, I just bought a couple of murder by death records and they're doing them like 200 gram. Wow. Like, which like, how much are it, they charging for that? Um, I, it wasn't too bad. I think uh, I got, um, I, I don't know if you're a murder by death fan, but I got, uh, in Boca Lupo and, um, uh, I forget the one after that. Um, but I think I want to say like twenty, maybe 24, 25 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Single LP. I mean, you know, not crazy. So it, it definitely, definitely works, but super cool. So, um, one last question. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I just want to touch on, on the, on some of this final stuff and then, uh, sure. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do our, our fun little DraftKings read and then we'll get into, into fun hockey talk. But, sure. um, so uh, conceptualizing these, these variants. So I know that you said, you know, you're typically trying to, um, work within the color schemes of the, of the, of the album art and all that kind of stuff, which I think is super cool. But like, so 
um, what I'm going to do here is I have my little vinyl spreadsheet up sure. and I'm just going to call out um, some variants. And okay. like, if you could just kind of tell me a little bit about them just because of, uh, of how cool they are. So yeah. uh, the first one I, I want to hit on, um, which I think is such a cool thing. And I'd love to know how this really works. Uh, but um, brain pain, mm -hmm. uh, you have the glow in the dark variants on that. And also the, New drug church variant that I'm, I'm getting is going to be glow in the dark as well. So nice. How the hell, uh, how the hell do you make a glow in the dark record? Um, like how do we make it or how do we decide we want to do one or I guess like really for this question, like how does it work? Like how, like, how does the, it work? Uh, like how is it pressed? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so they're glow in the darks are tricky because, um, you know, they're using, uh, they're basically putting a powder they're mixing a powder in with the, the wax or right. the vinyl or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it only works on, it has to like, um, I actually like learned all of this recently cause we were trying to do some like crazy glow in the darks and the pressing plant was like, that's not going to work. It doesn't work <laughs> like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it has to react with, um, a color or like, a it has to basically react in, with the wax a certain way. Mm -hmm. So that's why you kind of only see it on a opaque stuff. It, it won't work. It, it has to be a transparent vinyl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the vinyl itself also has to be light enough for the glow to actually work. So that's why you see it on mainly a clear or um, a milky clear. Um, Got it. We, we tip, we typically, like to go with the milky clear instead of a pure clear um no real rhyme or reason there just just that's our preference usually i feel like the green kind of glows a little bit better with it um and that's another thing too is um because it actually has a little bit of color in in it as opposed to the clear it's just a pure clear mm -hmm. so the glow yeah. isn't going to be as bright when it happens mm -hmm. um so, I mean, that's just basically how that works. There are a couple, um, they've been out of it for a while. So I think it's like, um, because of COVID, just certain manufacturing processes, they haven't been able to get them. But um, you always see like a green um, glow in the dark, basically. But there's also a red one and a blue one that you can do. Oh, wow. Like they've, they've been out of them for a while. Um, like we wanted to do a red one with the new lock, Knock Loose EP. Mm -hmm. um, but they just, they don't have it. So. They have it, yeah. No, I mean uh, it, it. It really is super cool. Um, yeah. And then uh, uh, one of the it other ones. Sound the yeah. greatest, but it looks super cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the other ones that I think you guys <clears throat> like absolutely knocked it out of the park with um, is the um, uh, the pressings that you did for uh, the spill canvases conduit. I mean the oh, uh, the 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 one I have the the double mint with the the purple and the yellow twist. The twist. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's so cool looking. Um, but so. I guess the question I have there is like, um, this is not as much of a, like a pressing question as much as like a conception question. But mm -hmm. so when you go into talking about these variants, like, you know, so, uh, you know, obviously looking at the cover of conduit, you know, you're hitting the purple, the yellow, the green, which is awesome. But like, how do you decide like, Oh, we want to do like a butterfly or a pinwheel or a twist. Like, like, does that, does that feed off of like what you see in the album art itself? Or are you just like, Oh, like, this is a cool thing we can kind of do. So like, how does that conceptualization happen? 
I mean, sometimes it does. Um, you know, we got kind of our bread and butter variants. Like you'll almost always see an A side, B side, and yeah. then um, a splatter of some sort. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's some albums that just kind of don't lend to visually harsher variants. I don't know how to explain it. Like sometimes I'll just look at an album cover or like listen to the album. And I'm like, it just doesn't make sense to me to do like a splatter here. Like, cause I just, there's a little bit of that where it's like trying to fit just like the general mood of the whole album. Um, in the case of the spill canvas one, um, you know, that was kind of like the cover art was super cool and like tons of colors to play with, you know, like we get a lot of these, like, you know, hardcore bands or whatever like it's just like this is black and white album art it's like all right well i guess i'm doing mostly black and white and grays but you know try and throw in a little bit of red for contrast or whatever um occasionally we will do different and just go off the board but um yeah in the case of the spill canvas one that was like i'm looking at it right now um we did a lot of splatters for that um I don't even really know. I mean, I like the twist variant a lot. Um, and there was a while where it wasn't really advertised as a variant that you could order. Um, so for a while, we were kind of like the only ones doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that. And then, like I said, the A side, B side, we'll almost always try and do one of those. Um, and then, uh, you know, another big one that we've kind of, you see more and more in our newer albums is like a, uh, a color in a color with a splatter. Um, I really, I just like the way those look. Um, so yeah, I mean the the variants themselves. I mean, you know, on smaller records where we're doing like three to five variants or something, it's a little easier to like be like, all right, these are our cool ones that we like to always do. These are what we know sell. Like that's another factor in it. You know, like some stuff just people are like, ah, eh, that's. Yeah, whatever it's fine it's it's a half and half or you know it's not that visually striking mm-hmm. um because i mean you know there is an element of like how cool is this going to look on social media you know are people going to yeah. show this off like there is an element of that obviously oh yeah of um, course yeah but you know when we start getting into like bigger albums like the new knock loose or you know like a story so far album or state champs album where we're doing like or census fail we're doing 10 to 13 variants. You're just like, you get to a point where you're just like, all right, well, we'll do one of that one. And yeah, one right. that one, one of that like one. Because it's yeah. like, we, we have to, we have to do something. <laughs> yeah. So then it's For, just, you know, working with the colors in your palette kind of, and sometimes going off the board, but keeping it fairly contrasting. So awesome. now hold on before, before we shift into the hockey talk, and this yeah. is kind of related you know, there's a few known hockey fans mm-hmm. who are on Pure Noise Records that oh, we've had on this show. Yep. Have I'm any bands come to you and been like, yo, I want to do a Dallas Stars color variant for the State Champs record, or I want to do a Toronto Maple Leafs variant for the New Barons record, or like yeah. any of that ever come into the conversation? And like, I'm um, sure you, you know, not specifically, fan, but like there are people that like, because I'm such a big hockey fan and like, so is Jake and stuff. And obviously I know what people in our bands, like, like which teams, 
so there have been times where I'm like, yo, let's do this. Like, you know, the story so far, um, obviously Kellen is a big sharks fan. Um, blue sharks, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there was, uh, like on the out of it seven inch, I think it was one of the color schemes I wanted to do that. It was just, it was, um, I think it was a teal and orange and it was like, yo, I want to do that. Like these are kind of similar to the sharks colors and mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't remember if that one actually happened or not, but there have been times where I've thrown it out there. Like, you know, I know you guys are like, or someone is a fan of this team. So um, like Seaway bearings, we haven't done specifically Maple Leafs colors. Um, trying to think. Um, state champs. I, Derek hasn't specifically said anything about like Dallas stars covers, but I do want to do like a neon green and black, like based off of that, their like <laughs> retro reverse they had. Hell yeah. Oh so, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I mean like in my, in my <laughs> head, in my head with this, like this is such a golden, a golden opportunity to like create like a series of like seven inches that are just all like hockey variant themed yeah, and just, and just make like, I don't know, like, 700 of each and just be like once they're gone they're gone and then like just the entire pure noise roster just has like oh check out like you know seaways leafs you know fucking sounds like a nightmare or, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean you would know you would know you way better than me? me yeah i know but uh, um but no, no i mean it, it is super <laughs> cool and i would love to do something like that maybe black friday next year but i mean just with the way the the vinyl pressing world is right now it's just like doing any like a project of that scope is just like yeah there's no guarantee we'd even have it by black friday next yeah, year I, would, I was gonna say like you, we could announce that now but by the time they they come out the nhl will have probably already folded or some some shit in 2045 <laughs> cool man I, I like i said i could sit here and, and ask you questions yeah, i don't i can't think of any like particular really team variant ones we've done i mean that brain pain album, we didn't do a team variant, but we did that Boston Bruins ripoff with the Violent Gentleman collab. That was cool. Um, yeah. And then the last Seaway album, we tried to do like a Maple Leafs like uh, ripoff jersey collab, but then we went more like with like a Team Canada ish, but with like the big vibe colors. <laughs> um, that that's like how those colors came out for that jersey. But yeah, th- when we were originally talking about it, it was like a little bit more Maple Leafs themed because um, they're big Maple Leafs fans. Hell yeah, man. Awesome. So uh, let's uh, take a quick break. Uh, we'll go ahead and just talk a little bit about our sponsor, DraftKings, and then we will get right back into some hockey talk. So, um, you know, we are a hockey podcast, uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes we got to shift it over to our, our, our NFL homies and, uh, you know, for right now, they've got a really great uh, great deal going on uh, with the NFL. So as the NFL is kind of jumping into their, I guess, last third of their regular season, um, you know, we're all loving those action-packed, high-scoring NFL games. And uh, it's a no-brainer uh, from DraftKings Sportsbook, of course, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Uh, you'll be a winner if there's a single point score. I mean, it's crazy. Literally, you bet on a game. It could be three nothing. It could be two nothing. It could be just a safety, and you're going to be a winner. So new customers who bet just one dollar on any team to score, any team can win a hundred dollars in free bets. It's that simple. It's super cool. So if sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. 
Uh, everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long uh, with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. And DraftKings, of course, has given all of their new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with just their first deposit. So if you haven't done so yet, jump on it. You download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. You're going to use promo code THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN. $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. So, I mean, it's the no-brainer. I mean, I don't remember the last time an NFL game was 0-0. So you're guaranteed to, to, to win $100 in free bets. It's fucking great. So uh, if they score, you score. And again, use promo code THPN. That's a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And uh, do remember, you got to be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Uh, minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager is required. One per customer and restrictions do apply. So see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Uh, and if you have a gambling problem, uh, just call 1-800-GAMBLER and they'll sort you out. And that's all I got. Dude, love that you could drag out a 30-second ad with enough time for me to run downstairs and fill my coffee. <laughs> see? I, I knew I knew you needed something. So I had to – I had to. what kind, What are you drink? What, what coffee are you drinking right now? I'm just curious. Just black – Aldi coffee. Aldi coffee, dude. You gotta you gotta get yourself some rootless coffee, man. I'm telling you, some of the best coffee out there. I'm not a coffee snob. I've already told you this time. All right, well, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get John O on the line and he's gonna get you some rootless. <laughs> You're gonna enjoy it. Trust me. So I actually don't like strong like craft coffee. I, I it's not for me. You just like Folgers in your cup? I, I could get down with Folgers. Just dirty, we got a dirty new pure noise holiday blend. Ooh, see? Yeah. Dude. There you go. Is Through, it with uh, uh, legal speed? No, it's with Anchor Head, I think. Okay. I don't Love that. I don't drink coffee, so. Really? Yeah. Okay. God bless you, man. I, I don't. I don't know how I could live without having a cup of coffee in the morning. It's like. Oh man, it, my wife. She loves her coffee, but I don't know. It's, it's a like definite. It's a definite dependence. Like it's like a sad thing to say out loud, but like. It's something I'm dependent on. Like if I don't have a cup of coffee in the morning by like noon, I'll have a headache. Oh, positively. I've seen it. I've it's brutal. Seen it. it's brutal. Uh, but on that note, talking about headaches, um, the Islanders have only scored 33 goals this whole season. So that's a headache for me. Uh, it's not good. Makes that me not like want to watch hockey. Kings, though. Uh, no, no, no. Unfortunately, it's not. Is it the uh, black? Is it? <laughs> I think there was only one other team, and it was like the Coyotes at that time. Yeah, but the Coyotes, I think, are have like forty goals. So we're 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 the worst in the league. Uh, that's okay though. Sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes you got to be bad before you're good. But um, let's get into some hockey talk, man. So, um, sure. Uh, just because you know, I I don't know, and I probably should have done my research. But uh, what are we looking? We're Kings fan. Yep, diehard Kings fan. Um, have been since early. Well, mid '80s, uh, not early '80s. I was born in the early '80s, okay. but um, yeah, you know, my dad he took me to games at the the Forum um, before Gretzky even got traded to LA. So, um, shout out Luke Robitaille. Yeah, Luke Robitaille. And, um, Hell yeah. Yeah, he's always been my favorite, and um, yeah, so I've been a Kings fan through thick and thin, a lot of thin. <laughs> um, we had a, a few glory years, but. Now we're back in the thin, but seems like we're coming out of it soon. So I'm, I mean, I, I guess this is sort of like um, probably a, a bit of a divisive topic, but um, 
as far as like West Coast hockey in general is concerned, would you say that like when the Gretzky trade happened, it like sort of legitimized West Coast hockey? Or do you think that like it had its roots and Gretzky just coming over really sort of like padded it or, or you know, what's your what's your thought um, process on that? There was a huge boom after the Gretzky trade. I mean, you know, hockey in L.A. was a very, very niche thing, you know, mm-hmm. like it had. It did fine, I, I think. I, like, I can't say like you know what their attendance was like. I don't think they're ever at risk of moving or anything because yeah. there's so many, um, well, at least back then. But there were always so many like Canadian transplants or East Coast transplants that, you know, most of the time you'd always have people at games. And I mean, it's still to this day. It's just how LA is. Like, you know, very few people are actually from LA. Um, so you know, you know, you'd go to a Red Wings game and it'd just be packed with Red Wings fans, or a Rangers game, or mm-hmm. you know, Canadians or Maple Leafs or Vancouver or whatever. You know, so LA has kind of always done fine, but basically, it's just like the arena will be full of other fans. Um, but yeah, there is a huge boom after the Gretzky trade. Um, you know, street hockey got real popular in LA um, just because. At the time, there were so few ice rinks there. Now there are a ton of ice rinks in LA. Like, there are so many. Um, and so that, and then also, hate to say it, but at the Mighty Ducks movies too. Like, those, you know, th- those two things, like, you know, how, how far apart did those happen? Five years or, I don't know, something like that. So in that time span, you know, hockey really, really grew in LA, you know, to the point where now you're seeing there are a handful of players that are from born and bred in LA in the NHL. So now, now I, I guess staying on the topic of Gretzky, you know, mm-hmm. he, he never really got it done for the Kings. And I guess some would even argue that when he was playing for the Kings, it was like a little after his like heyday. So well, like, I mean, you know, he never put up the crazy, well, he had, some crazy seasons in LA, but nothing like the 250 point season he had in Edmonton or whatever it was, you know, like those days were obviously behind him, but I mean, also look at the team that he had with him too. Like there's so many good players on those Edmonton teams in the early eighties, but I mean, you know, the Kings did well while he was in LA. I think, you know, there's a little bit of bad luck. I don't know. I've never been one to put just kind of put something on one person's shoulders, you know, like hockey's a team game, you know. It's, there's only so much one person can do even if you're the best player in the world. I mean, look at the freaking Oilers, you know. I don't I don't have faith that they're going to win anything with Connor McDavid like the way the team's built now at least. Yeah, so. I, I I think, you know, that they're a totally different team in the playoffs and, you know, yeah, you could shut down McDavid if if you're if that's the main focus. But yeah. I guess like when you were what 12, 13, 14, like that's when Gretzky was on the team, right? Yeah, the mid nineties when he got traded in eighty eight. So and when did how long is he there for? Ninety eight, ninety nine, I think, something like that. So yeah, you know, I was an early teenager and um you know, it was it was a fun time. Like there was once Gretzky got traded, it was like it was there was a buzz in the town for sure. You know, the Kings became the it team. It was, that's when you started seeing a lot of celebrities go to games and 
it was the place to be seen, you know. I don't know how much of that was just because Gretzky was one of the biggest names in sports, and that's what L.A. loves. They love big names, um, but also winning those two things, you know. If you don't have either of those, likely your, your arena is going to be a ghost town, but that's I, just I, the nature of L.A. sports. <laughs> I guess my question was, like, since you were already a fan before he got there, like, yeah. did, did you jump on the Gretzky wagon, or were you well, just like... Yeah, of course. I oh, mean, yeah? Yeah, for sure, like... Who wouldn't you know you're already a fan of this team and it, you know it's like a little kid right now if they were i don't know what what teams say like say the coyotes like right now like this little kid is a fan of them but then say in two or three years austin matthews comes to town like of course you're gonna jump on austin matthews you know he's one of the most electrifying players in the game so that's what especially kids are drawn to you know they're they're drawn to the those highlight real yeah super superstars yeah for yeah. sure the guys they can imitate on in street hockey or you know you score a goal and you pretend that you're freaking wayne gretzky or whoever you know it's a little hard when you're a kid to say ah luke robitaille <laughs> <laughs> you know that's a hard name to pronounce for a southern california kid i did know how to spell gretzky at an early age that that was and, and like Lemieux, so like some of those like one. names that you know are there's some consonants and vowels in places in that you wouldn't really think yeah. of as a young kid, and I prided myself on knowing that. I'm, sure. I'm when even I was I'm, a kid. Go ahead, I was Tom. just gonna say I'm, I'm just thinking right now, like I don't even know, like I'm trying to spell Lemieux without looking at it on the internet, and I don't remember if it's like. I E or E I. So I know it's L E M. I want to say it's L E. No, because it's only seven letters, right? Shit. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> this is bad. I like, we're going to just change the topic. I shouldn't we're be not on a, a spelling podcast. Po- yeah, we're not a spelling or sometimes it's questionable for a hockey podcast. Now you got me questioning it. L E M I E U X, right? Yeah. U X. It's on my brain because of our boy, Brendan Lemieux. Oh, um, there you go. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that because that's kind of a hot topic right now, right? Because there was a whole biting incident, right? Yeah, he bit Kachuk. So, how do you feel about that? I I don't like it. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a fan. I when they traded for him, I was like, what? Why are we trading for this guy? I mean, I get it. Like he's sandpaper and grit and whatever. And you know, when the Kings were like going through their losing streak after their winning streak, he was kind of the only spark plug, but. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of him, personally. And that's Claude Lemieux's son, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I heard, you know, Claude Lemieux. We we were still kind of young when he was at his heyday too, but I remember him having kind of a reputation of, as being kind of he a bit someone ball. too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the, I saw a tweet that was like they're the first father son team in NHL <laughs> history to get suspended for biting. Oh my god. That's just absurd. That yeah. Oh absurd. my god, I love it. Um, yeah. yeah, man, that's just—it's just wild to me. Um, but um, cool. You know what? R- real quick, let's just kind of go back in time and let's let's talk cup years, man. Um, sure. Because I'm sure you remember exactly where you were and what you were yeah. doing. Uh, did you get an opportunity to to go to? Um, well, at that point, it was the Staples Center, right? So, yeah. did you have a, an opportunity to go to any of those cup games or anything like that uh, during the? During I didn't the... go to any of the cup games. I I went right. to games on the run um, nice. 
in both years I, I went. I went. I think I just went to first round games. Um, I went when they played Vancouver in 2012, and then I went when uh, I actually went when they lost. They when they were down the game, they went down three one to San Jose mm. before the rever- reverse sweep. Yep, and that was dire. Me and my my buddy Brian, we were just there, just like, all right, this is it, <laughs> like. You know, because the Kings were winning that game and then San Jose came back and won it, I think, in overtime. If it wasn't overtime, it was, like, super late in the game. And it was just like, oh, man, all right, well, they can't win that game. They're not winning this series. No one comes back from 3-1 or 3-0. It wasn't even 3-1. It was 3-0. Yeah, it was 3-0. Yeah. Yeah, so. And then they came back and did it. Bless their hearts. Um, Yeah, 2012, when they won, I was – sitting on my coffee table in my apartment in Redondo Beach and is uh it's still pretty early because since it was a cup final against the East Coast team they started the game early so yeah yeah it was uh super early I think it was like 6 p.m or something like the or 7 p.m the game was done by but yeah that's super cool because where I lived um in the area that I live is where all the Kings players live. They all live in Hermosa awesome. Beach, Manhattan Beach. Mm. And um, we knew like the little bars that they love to go to. They love to go to this one in Hermosa Beach called the North End. And my dad is actually really good friends with the bartender there. So he knew the cup was coming there that night. So like we like went and just like posted out at the, um, at the bar. And then uh, as they were like, they, they started to come in and bring the cup in and they were like kicking people out like, all right, private event, private event. <laughs> and I was just kind of like hanging like in the corner, like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> and uh, my dad's buddy, Ron, he, he knew like Jared Stoll and Matt Green and stuff because they were locals at that bar. So it's just like, no, you're good. You're good. Like I was like, all right, cool. And then one of my good friends, I, I won't say his name to not embarrass him, but <laughs> he was, you know, very not sober and <laughs> he, he wandered out of the bar when they were kicking everyone out and then oh, I'm no. like, where are you and he's like i'm outside they won't let me back in i'm like oh man <laughs> me being a good friend i was like all right we gotta go oh wow you away. Tom, there's no chance i would leave so as we're going me. out they're bringing the cup in like marco sturm was there or was it marco sturm i think it was yeah and then, uh, but my buddy, he actually, he was, he's a sales rep in like the surf, skate, snow industry. And we worked at surf shops and stuff in Hermosa Beach. And he knew like, um, he knew Derek Armstrong and Joe Corvo and, um, and uh, Jarrett Stoll, like personally, like really good. And so like he was trying to get Jarrett Stoll to like, let him in and still he's like, ah, I can't do anything. They're not letting anyone in. And I was like, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good. Now, staying on the topic of those cup runs, um, mm-hmm. you know, as a, a diehard fan, like a true fan that's been through it, mm-hmm. you know, since LA is like, like you mentioned, can become a big ticket event, you know, with celebrities wanting to go and like the casual sure. fan that just like, oh, they're in the championship. Let me go and pay, you know, $4,000 to go to this game or yeah. like the blue collar fan 
can't do that. Like, yeah. you know, for us as Islander fans, you know, we were just in the Eastern Conference final, but I knew lots of my friends that just were like, yeah, I got tickets to the game. Like, yeah, they were like 200 bucks, 250 bucks. But that's and if they went to the cup final. People would have come out of the woodworks, you know, I, I don't know, like Long Island where it is, you know, I, I we have notably two celebrities that are fans of the Islanders, and that's pretty yeah. much it. Like Ralph Macchio. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Kevin Conley. Yeah. <laughs> like that's it. Yeah. So like, I guess it's kind of the same with like, um, like the ducks, you know, like the ducks were so good for so long. And, um, you know, when they went to the cup run, I was like, if you want to go to the game, you could go to the game. It wasn't yeah. that hard. You know, <laughs> you might have to spend a little bit of money, but you're not like mortgaging your house or anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was definitely different when the Kings went, um, to the game. I had friends who paid some crazy prices, like especially in 2012. Um, 2014 was a little, I think a little easier just because they'd already done it. But um, yeah, it got crazy for a while. It's, I think it's died down quite a bit since the Kings have kind of been not great. And I mean, the thing about LA too is at the time, that was when the Lakers were like on their decline. Yeah, and the Kings yep. were going up. So you had all these like Lakers fans who were like, well, I want to watch a winning team. So they started becoming Kings fans and like filling the stadium. And like, so, I mean, before the cup run, it wasn't like Staples center was had good attendance, but not like straight, like hundreds of straight sellouts or whatever, you know? And so that was another thing that kind of just happened at the same time that made it harder to go to games because you get you had all these other people who were paying courtside ticket prices for Lakers games who were like, well, I'll just go to King games now. I want to watch yeah. the winning team. No, nah, I, I, you know, I, I get it. Uh, I mean, I, I remember 2014 uh, very vividly because uh, a lot of friends of mine back home on, on the Island were, were Ranger fans. So I remember, um, there was this uh, little venue uh, on Long Island that my buddy uh, kind of operated. He called it the wood shop and it was literally his dad owned a, owned a wood shop and had this like big room uh, that could fit probably, you know, like 125 people. They built a small stage. So like one day we were hanging out there um, and it was like, I, I think like a show might've even been going on and game five was happening. And uh, I just remember like, you know, the Islanders and Rangers have such a deep rivalry, but I remember feeling like just so heartbroken for Lundquist. Like that's all I could think about. And like that game, you guys battered him, man. That was two OT. I think he like 51 shots or something. That whole series, yeah. man. Like the Rangers didn't do shit for poor Hank, man. I, I think well, like it's just like 2012 where, you know, against the devils, that was because of Brodeur, you know? Yeah. Both teams were there because of their goalies. Oh yeah. But it's just like to think about the fact that like, you know, over those five, you know, cup final games, like I think like you guys got eat almost 200 shots on Lundqvist. Probably. They I mean, were, I know you were, yeah, they were, a, they high, were, a high shot team for sure. At but that it's time. like, but it, it low was, percentage of scoring, but yeah, high but, shots. but I'll, you know, that, that, that team was, was a hell of a team to watch. And, you know, you don't, you don't always like get opportunities to see these really good fluid teams, um, you know, like kind of come out of the West, especially when you're like a, an East coast guy and you're just always watching East coast hockey. So yeah. it was really, it was definitely really cool to see. Uh, but you know, I, I, I think as hockey fans, we were like pretty lucky 
to kind of see like in that three to five year span just mm-hmm. like how dominant both the kings and blackhawks were yeah like that year that um the conference final the kings and blackhawks that was just like i don't i think that was better serious than the stanley cup final that was such a like just gauntlet for them like and either team whoever came out of that was beating the rangers like there's mm-hmm. no doubt oh yeah um yeah that was that was a heck of a series to watch very stressful <laughs> very very stressful as a Kings fan now Ian you also you know and I I know this because we chatted but you know earlier on you you mentioned that you're in Nashville mm-hmm. you know h- how is that watching Kings games because now they're they're starting what like hard nine for you it's hard um you know I'm pushing 40 and it's like getting motivated to start watching a hockey game at 9 30 is just like let's see what time's my daughter gonna wake up yeah uh, yep. between 5 30 and 7 um yeah so it's tough um oftentimes i'll start a game and then um i, I don't finish many games <laughs> it's like 11 30 12 by the time the game ends it's, it's rough like and if i can imagine being one one more time zone over Oh yeah. yeah. Oh God. So, yeah. <laughs> like I get it. Like how there's an East coast bias. Cause it's just like, it's so hard watching West coast games. Like I get it. Like, I guess if it's your job, it's a little easier, but um, yeah. Hold on. My wife's texting me. Yeah. So I, I even like when the Islanders are, are playing those West coast games, yeah. it, it's, it's tough. It's, it's funny. It's tough. I don't. Yeah. I don't even watch Preds games though. Like, well, I was gonna get into that. You know, yeah. since you are kind of in nah. a booming hockey market, <laughs> you, you haven't taken it on at all. Nope, I haven't watched a single Preds game since I moved here on TV. Oh, wow. I mean, I've been to a handful of games. Me and Jake have gone to games, and man, Bridgestone is such a fun arena to go to. Like, and especially coming from like Staples Center, like it's just so different, like of an atmosphere. Okay, oh, yeah. it's just always buzzing. Like, all got to give, you know, Preds fans credit for that. Like, that place is always rocking. Um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, nothing against the Preds. I'm just like not invested in them, and I'm even at a point where it's like, it's really hard for me to like just watch my own team. You know, like I put my wife through so many years of like, we're watching Kings games, we're watching Kings games. This is what we're doing, and she's just like, no we're not doing that anymore. And it's like, that's fair. I yeah. get it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to make you sit here and watch Preds games who like, you know, I'm in it. Like I can, I can name you the whole King's farm system, you know, but like, it's like, I don't know who the freaking 13th forward on the Predators is. Yeah. I go to games and they score a goal. I'm like, what the hell's that? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it is you know, know awesome. the big name, but it's an awesome place to catch a game and I truly yeah. recommend it to any hockey fan to at least. For sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because... And especially just cause Nashville is such a cool city to come to, too. Like come here. Well, try and come in the spring. If like they're in the playoffs or like the early fall when the season starts, maybe not in January, February. Well, you guys are used to it on the East coast, but yeah, it, weather gets a little too chilly i think to like enjoy the city too much yeah i 
I can't say really anything bad about Nashville other other than the country music. And like <laughs> obviously that's why most yeah. people go there. And yeah, my wife, she loves she loves all that kind of country music and I'm I'm not into it, but whatever. I'll tolerate it. It's fine. Yeah, I, I, I guess I just like didn't do my research. Like I knew like country music's big there. I guess I oh, just yeah. didn't know it was that big. Because Yeah, you you walk down you leave a game and it spits you right out on the to Broadway and you go down the street and there's what 20 bars that are three stories that are just each story has a different band playing you know? exactly I mean they're not all country like but it it's a lot of cover bands really to be honest so I mean I've heard my share of blink 182 songs in, <laughs> in those bars you know like it's, it's funny to think about like a band like three free throw coming out of Nashville right and like not like having a country record yet. Yeah. I'm sure there's one coming. I'm sure crazy Corey Castro is just going to be like, guys, we're going to, we're going to do this country record and it's still going to be in my weird twinkly tuning. And it's going to be, what's funny is be so many punk and hardcore bands and metal bands like people live here now. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you look at like Tom from stray or, uh, mm-hmm. like some of the, some of the counterparts guys <laughs> live here and like, um the drummer slipknot lives here oh yeah um, and like ryan from yellow card alex from conditions like yeah the list Chad's goes on and on Lori, yeah um chris caraba like, who else yeah. one of the guys from hawthorne heights lives here now um arun from saves the day yeah um yep. joe from amity affliction slash defeater he actually he just moved down to chattanooga but you know that's only a couple hours away yeah. So, I, uh, I I get it. I mean, like you know, from from everything it's that I've heard, to live. It, yeah, they they say it is. You know, I have I have a buddy from work that. Uh, um, oh, you guys are in what Carolina? Well, Mikey's I in Charlotte. Am. I'm in okay. I'm in Orlando. So um, oh, okay, yeah, but um, but you know, I've got a buddy from work that grew up in in Nashville, and he was just like, oh, I love it. I would go back in a heartbeat if I could, and all that kind of yeah. stuff. I I think it's just a very, you know, it, it's a it's a culturally rich place to be. Um, and from, you know, from what I've understood, it's, uh, it's not crazy expensive and there's a lot of, uh, I don't know. Things that are... <laughs> well, it's not like, yeah, I mean, I've, I've... at least compared to like me moving from LA. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, you, well, know, houses, yeah. you know, houses in my neighborhood I grew up in are over a million dollars, you know, can, can never afford to buy there in my life. Yeah. But you know, I don't come from family money, so it's not, you know, no help on that side. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, we come here and me and my wife are able to buy a house for under $300,000. And it's incredible. It's a yeah. really nice house on like a half an acre of land, you know, it's like, oh, it's awesome. And I mean, granted, we don't live in Nashville. Like we're like 20 to 30 minutes outside of it in this mm-hmm. town, Hendersonville, um, which is like where Johnny Cash lived. So, I mean, it's a it's a little more suburbia. I guess it's probably similar to like Long Island compared to New York or whatever, you know. Sure. But um, yeah, I mean, the cost of living here is just at least compared to L.A., which is one of the most insane places in the world or mm-hmm. in the country, at least. Um, it's way more affordable, but I don't know about compared to like Orlando or North Carolina or whatever. Now, so. I, I guess what was the decision process moving from LA to Nashville? I know like pure noise is slowly shifting their headquarters there. So like, no, we're here. We're you, here. Oh, you are here. 
Yeah. So like, um, what, so what I was moved here. Yeah. We, me and my wife, we moved here three years ago. Um, you know, just shortly after we had our daughter, um, you know, my wife was on maternity leave and she was just kind of like, you know, we could have lived in LA forever just as a couple and been like, whatever we're renting. We live two miles from the beach. It's freaking awesome living here. Like, are you kidding me? But you know, when you, it's cheesy, but when you have a kid your, your priorities shift a little bit. And then it was like, you start thinking about like, well, where we went to high school, we wanted to go to one of the high schools we went to. And just to go there, it's like $1.5 million house or even just renting an apartment is like 2,500, three grand a month. And it's just like, that's crazy. Like not doing that. That makes Mm -hmm. no sense. So, you know, my wife, she got into it deep on Zillow and just started looking around the country and all this kind of stuff. I think she like, I think there's an Instagram page she followed that just showed all these houses in like Connecticut or something. And she was like, Oh my God, like the other side of the country is just so beautiful and so much cheaper. And so she somehow she landed on Nashville as an option just because she loves country music. And she was like, that that sounds like such a cool place to live. And then she did more and more research. And somehow we ended up on Hendersonville because it has a lake and her dad was moving with us. And, you know, we're so used to the ocean and he's a fisherman. So we're like, oh, we need to be by a body of water. There you go. So that's, that's basically how we landed here. I mean, and the town we live in has stellar schools like, you know, Taylor Swift went to high school down the street from me and stuff. So that's that's all you need. That's all you needed to say. Yeah. She funds a lot of it. Like the town, like there's a big flood, like 10, a little over 10 years ago in Nashville. And she paid for like so much of like the town's repair. And it's like, you know, I'm not a big fan of her music or whatever, but it's like, respect that. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of Taylor Swift, um, it, it was just like a, a a little funny kind of thing, I guess when, uh, when red came out, um, I guess when they pressed it, they pressed it, uh, 45 as opposed to 33 and all of these like novice, like record player like throwing them you know yeah, records know. on, on prosley's and sounds stuff like just a like, chipmunk yeah right like i don't get it why does it sound so bad it's yeah. like just 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 move the lever just move the yeah. lever you'll be fine uh i'm but surprised I, any of those people actually had a record player to listen to it on to be honest yeah right like i said it's 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 probably one of those things where it's like you know but i mean there's uh, prosley's it's got a 45 switch on it yep exactly and and there are people i i get it like i i used to be one of those people like when i first was collecting records like I kind of had a five year period where I was collecting. Then I stopped and I started again. But when I was first collecting records, like I was just buying them uh, just as like keepsakes. Like I wasn't really listening to them, but now, now I, you know, any record that I buy, I try to spin at least once. And there's ones that I've spun a couple of times, but so uh, we've been going about an hour 15. So I guess we'll just do kind of a couple final questions and then uh, we'll wrap it up and let you get to the rest of your day. Um, Good. So uh, the one last question I have, and it's going to be uh, a record question, and it's going to be specifically about a record that I have in my spreadsheet that has a uh, has a question mark in the yeah. number pressed category. So yeah. I'm going to need you to tell me how many there are, uh, or else I'm, go- I'm going to lose my mind. Okay. Um, uh, so now I know it was a repress, and I know you said you're not completely stellar on those, but... Uh, looks like you guys did a bloom and breathe uh, Gates record on like a, an electric blue. Um, 
Jeez. Don't know how this many was, there are, but this was even before my time, bro. Oh God! All right, um, well. But let me see if I can help you. Excellent, excellent. See, this is this is what. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming Tom, on. Tom, Tom couldn't save this question for after or before. He wants to do it in the middle of the interview because no, that's not. how Tom goes. No, it's good. <laughs> it's good. And while um, while while you're searching that, um, yeah, yeah that, that was one that yeah we repressed that even before I started, so it's not in any of my emails. That's fine. No worries. I'll uh, I'll pester you about it at some point later. You know, down what? I road. feel like this question like popped up at some point, and like <laughs> I I did figure it out. So I'll, I'll get that for you. I'll yeah, no problem. But, but in, in truth, like I said, you know, and I'm not sitting here trying to, you know, be a pure noise fanboy, but I mean, it's like of all of the records I have, like in terms of really cool variants, it, like you guys are kind of like the, the front runner on it. I mean, like, you know, and, and trust me, there's a lot of cool stuff out there, you know, run for covers, done some cool stuff, um, you know, like wax bodega and like all that kind of stuff, you know, they're doing some really cool stuff, but, Honestly, when I look at like all the records I have and I look at the coolest variants, it's really you guys are doing it. So, you know, you being the kind of spearheading that process is really cool. So it was awesome to get to talk to you about it. But yeah, no I'm, problem, man. I'm, you know, yeah. I, I try. I try and, you know, I come from that world and, you know, we've we put in our like that's what our roots are. You know, it's just like yeah. that's and we know what our label's bread and butter is and stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. we've we've become the label we are and a lot of it's because of, you know, vinyl pressings. Yeah. Like, um, so, you know, that's just, it's in our blood. And, um, by the way, I think, Oh, never mind, never mind. Disregard. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was looking at a, the pressing info and then I, uh, I, I misread it. That's so cool. I will like, find that for you. One of one of these yeah. days. One of these days. It's not the best. I've literally I've been like I've been like hounding um uh the 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 fine people in, in the world is a beautiful place about this like translucent purple iteration of their new record that's coming out that I can't find pressing info anywhere. And like it keeps telling me it's limited, and I'm like, well, how limited? And no one's answering me, and it's just blowing my mind right now. But um, you know, these are the kind of things that that you do when you're It'll come uh, out eventually. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, man. I you know, honestly, like I said, uh, kudos to, to you know to what you do. You know, we we, we here we love pure noise. We're uh, huge fans, and and all the stuff that that uh, you know you guys are are putting out is awesome, and and the oh, packaging is awesome, and everything's great. So yeah, no, awesome. But uh, I'm sure you got one last question here to to plug into, Mikey. Yeah, I just want to know. Uh... Are, are we expecting another VG pure noise collab anytime soon? Um, nothing like officially locked in, but I mean, I think it's safe to assume that something will come eventually. I mean, we love those guys. We're super close with, um, their, their creative director, uh, Vincent. Um, he plays on our pond hockey team. Um, so, you know, we're super tight with them. Jake's really good friends with hammer. So, you know, we just got a great relationship with them. So I'm sure one of our next big albums that it makes sense for, I don't see a world why, you know, why we wouldn't do it. Yeah. As hockey and music fans, I I get super jacked up when I see those. Like the the four-year strong brain pain collab was yeah. just so well done. And even yeah. like the Seaway the one that you mentioned, it was just awesome. The jersey and everything's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're great people. We love them. Um, you know, we have 
two of our custom pure noise jerseys done through them and they make great products and they're just great people. So despite being uh, fans. I just realized I totally <laughs> dropped the ball because I have that pure noise VG jersey and I totally should have worn it and I just totally forgot. Rookie move. <laughs> Rookie move. At least you're wearing the VG sweater. Yep. And, and hat. I, I I rep VG as much as I can. Those guys yeah, are awesome. You're going for it. And then uh, real real quick question, just because you've uh, you know you toured with Finch and all that stuff. Any mm-hmm. chance like Nate or R2K happen to be like hockey fans? Uh, I don't think they're sports fans of any kind. <laughs> <laughs> this is um, it's, it, it. Honestly, it one of the things that I've found out about doing this podcast is like you have these like flashes of brilliance where you're like, oh, maybe these guys are hockey fans. And then you find out like either people just love hockey to death and you're like, yeah. oh, awesome. Or like they're like, nah, you know, I, I used to play Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey, but like that that's about it. And you're like, oh. Well. It'd be a, a pretty slim. <laughs> I can't think of any of the guys in that band that would care about any sort of sport. <laughs> I mean, Nate, especially. No, he's not. He's probably the last person in the world who'd care about hockey. Maybe, yeah. maybe Randy, but I don't know. I, I can't remember any specifics. I mean, it's been so long since I've seen either of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe Randy. I think he lives in LA now. So who knows? Sometimes you, sometimes you just got to try to go to the source if you can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uncover I think we stuff. only got like one pure noise artist that we haven't gotten to yet. And that's, that's probably, we'll save him for episode 200. And that would be Kellen. Oh, I'm sure you could get him. I don't see why not. Yeah, we, we'll we'll save it for a big episode. <laughs> you want me to poke him for it? Poke him, <laughs> poke the bear, man, poke him. Let's do it. And then uh, right, I know. Now. I also know the drug. I, I I still haven't been able to get them on, but I think um, Pat from Drug Church. I think he said there some of them are like blues fans or stuff. Stuff. So blues I don't fans. know. Yeah, I think I I like I hit him up once hmm. on. Um, Aren't uh, they like originally from Buffalo? I think they are, but I think like they said, or like Albany they've got something? like a Sabers a Bruins and a blues fan in the band. Hmm. Uh, but like, I was never able to kind of expound upon that because, uh, you know, I, you know how things go. Sometimes you, you know, stuff gets lost in the, in the inboxes and stuff, but, but yeah, um, I, this is awesome. I mean, it, it really was super cool to, to get to chat with you. And like I said, I could nerd out with you for another three or four hours about all this kind of stuff, but I won't just because, that doesn't make for a compelling podcast and you're like a dad and you got dad stuff to do. So I'm sure people are zoned out already. <laughs> oh, I'm positively <laughs> people are, people are probably like, they're going to like tune in and be like, Oh, they've got Ian, the vinyl guy. And they're going to be like, Oh shit. Tom's just going to blab for an hour and a half, <laughs> which is essentially what happened, but that's okay. That's but we really right. do appreciate we you. We enjoyed taking ourselves. The time. Hell yeah, man. Thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your Saturday to be on here with us. Yeah. Um, uh, if you want to just real quick before we go, um, I don't know if you want to like, blast your socials or, or anything that you might want to you know talk about or or, uh, or or you know give some uh highlights to or anything like that just before we, we let you go but the floor is yours if I, you'd like to i don't think anyone really cares about my dad life um it's not that i do my daughter loves princesses that's about <laughs> it um i make some hot sauces i do that Ooh, oh yeah um, that's awesome I got those for sale on on uh, my etsy those links are in my profiles so cool awesome yeah that's about it other than that um buy more records hell yeah Long buy more pure noise records, records. Yeah. yeah hell yeah man well thank you again ian so much for, for being with us no problem Have thanks good, for having me guys yeah good rest of your weekend and uh, i'm sure uh the next uh record that comes out i'm just gonna like 
blast you and be like, the white, how many is the white? You got my email. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, man. Ian, thank you so much. All right. Uh, Bar Down Breakdown, the Hockey Podcast Network, thank you so much for being with us, and we will see you next time. Cheers. Peace. Thanks, guys.